Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography, a podcast all about the things that we love about photography. This is Focus on Rotation, where I have different hosts joining me at the desk as we share and learn each week. Come and enjoy this week's episode with us. Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography. I'm Steve Finkel. On this episode, I'm flying solo. On this episode, I want to talk to photographers about, and particularly for people who are new for photography, I suppose there's some challenges that people have to overcome when they pick up their camera and they see all these different settings on the camera and and quite often they'll get in forums and people will start talking about manual settings. And it's kind of like people say, oh, you've got to learn how to shoot manual, you know, it's going to improve your photography. And that's exactly true. Once you understand how the camera works and how the exposure triangle works and taking control of your camera can actually, yes, make you a better photographer and give you more tools to be creative with once you understand them. But when you're first starting off, there is a bit of a challenge for people trying to understand and get their head across it. So I thought I'd spend a bit of time in this episode and talk about the various different modes that are available on modern cameras and about maybe how to use those modes and where to start with and how you, I suppose, progress over to progress to that full manual mode. You know, it's quite often these days, like, people are kind of used to a lot of things being automatic. Back in the day, you know, when I got my licence, it was automatic cars were, were a thing of luxury that people had automatic cars. that Everyone, everyone had a manual car, so you got a manual licence of... You know, a clutch and a gearbox, and you change the gears, and you learn how to do that. Then, but progressively now, a lot of younger drivers now have never driven a manual car because they're they're not so plentiful. Um, they tended to be older older models, and a lot of um, manufacturers no longer even offer. Many years haven't offered a manual a car; they've all been automatic. So people have kind of been conditioned to do it that way. People who shoot with their camera phones typically. It's pretty much all automatic. The camera is doing, all the phones actually making the choices and doing it, unless you're actually in there manipulating. There is actually apps I know that people can get in there and go in there and change it and take some manual control over it. But um, I suppose this discussion is more about people who may be shooting, who've, who've got into photography and they're either shooting with a DSLR or, or a mirrorless camera or even some of the compact cameras that do give you manual control um, some of the canon cameras i know some of the other brands as well even in the compact ranges you can actually dial up manual settings so why is manual such a sought after or you know thing that people need to aspire to become a manual shooter it's really about understanding light and understanding the camera and how it works and when you're in different situations and it's really about knowing when to use what settings to get the best possible results from the camera. And like I said, but along the way, there's nothing wrong with using any of the features that are built into the camera that will help you train you to understand photography, to help you take better pictures, take every picture you take kind of half sucks, then you're probably going to give up photography pretty quick. You want to start seeing some type of success with results of your camera, you have images that you're shooting, you want to see that you're shooting stuff and you're actually getting shots that are actually okay, that gives you motivation to to push on and try a little bit harder. 
So let's talk about, I suppose, some of the most common things that you'll find on a modern camera today, whether it be mirrorless, DSLR, or, or like I said, a manually controlled combat camera. And that's something called um, shutter value or time value. So there's on the dial there, you can dial up a feature where the camera goes into a, and this is a priority mode. So if you're in time value mode or shutter mode, the you set the shutter speed and the camera decides the uh, aperture based on the lens that's fitted and it decides the ISO in the camera. So it's, it's making two of the choices out of the three when you're shooting in shutter mode. So why would you want to be shooting in shutter mode? And quite often when people first start learning photography and they start to get the camera off of fully auto, like when they've got like a, on a P mode, like a program mode where the camera's making all the decisions about everything. And that's not always great because sometimes the camera doesn't know what's in front of it, what you're shooting. So if you're shooting at your local kids athletics day and they're running around the track, the camera doesn't know that you're shooting fast-moving objects that are going to be, if the shutter speed's too slow, are going to be blurred and out of focus and that's not going to be pleasing because um, you're trying to capture the best possible pictures of your kids running around the track. So that's when things like using time value or shutter mode becomes really important. You can dial up a shutter speed that you'll know that's going to freeze the action. So you might dial up something like one five hundredth of a second because you know that that's going to stop a person running and freeze them. And you're not sure what the other settings will be. You're not sure what aperture you should be using or what ISO. So it's a good point to start using, getting used to, okay, I want to control the shutter speed because I want to stop um, blur. I want to freeze the action. And to freeze the action... Just think of it this way. If you've got something fast moving, you need to use a very fast shutter speed. So it's kind of, it, it draws a parallel there that basically object racing around a track, motor car, motorbike, object speeding along, that higher the shutter speed, it's going to actually then freeze that action and you're going to get a, you know, a sharp shot of that image whatever it is that's moving around that like I said whether it's people running around a track or people you know um, going over going over a pole vault or something you want to kind of freeze them as they're just going over um, again sh fast shutter speed is going to be your friend now sometimes you don't always want to freeze the action sometimes you actually want to have some deliberate blur in there so you want some um, an element of movement so sometimes like if you know you might want to be a take a creative shot of, of people running around, you know, a track where the people are deliberately, um, the camera's held still, the background is, is, is in focus and sharp, but the runners are blurred so you can actually see that they're actually running. And that's because you've slowed the shutter speed down to a level now where the camera's not going to freeze the action. It's actually going to, while the shutter's open, the subject's going to move across the frame. So it's actually going to start at its starting position in the frame and when the shutter opens and then when the shutter closes, it will have moved from that position. So you're going to have this blur. And like I said, it can be used very successfully to create some very cool effects of um, what we call intentional camera movement or intentional blur within the picture. Um, intentional camera movement is typically, like I said, when you're using a slow shutter speed and you move the camera to create a blur which is kind of what happens in a panning shot so when you're shooting say like a person running around the track and you want to kind of blur the background out so it's all blurred but the person is sharp 
you're going to have a slow shutter speed. So as the camera moves, it's going to see some of the subjects in the background um, pass through the frame and it's going to be blurred, but you're going to hopefully follow the person and stay with the person and stay on the person so that they are actually sharp and in focus. So TV or shutter mode is really good for learning about playing around with different shutter speeds. Now you might even want to go to even lower shutter speeds of say down to one second because you're shooting a waterfall and the water's cascading over rocks and you want to get that nice milky effect where the camera's on a tripod so the camera's fixed, it's not going to move and you might be triggering it off using a remote trigger or the self-timer so you don't bump the camera during that you know one second exposure. So by the time the camera takes finish takes the picture, the water have, has moved quite considerably and creates that nice milky blurred effect. So using time value mode, like I said, can teach you about how you can create blur within a picture, how you can create sharpness in a picture by using that to your advantage. Like I said, but the camera then is actually making other decisions for you. It's making decisions around the ISO. It's making decisions around the aperture. Now, sometimes you want to have more control over that, but we'll go into that a little bit deeper um, as we go through this. So the next next one is kind of um, aperture value or AV mode. And unlike shutter mode, it actually, you tell the camera what aperture to use and the camera then, based on what's available on to it, is will use the shutter speed and will use the ISO to compensate to let enough light in. So say for instance you want to shoot a portrait shot and you want to shoot so the background's blurry and out of focus and say you're using like a nifty 50 1.8 so in aperture value mode you've actually dialed it down to 1.8 so the, the shutter so the camera is going to use that f 1.8 as the aperture um, so you know your background's going to be in that nice um, blurry bokeh effect in the background. And the camera then will then pick a shutter speed. Now, typically, the subject is sitting there, so they're still, so they're not jumping around. So sometimes that's not so much of an important thing. It'll pick a, and then also pick the ISO. And sometimes, like I said, you want to get the background all blurred out, but then other times you actually might want to try and have more of the, the image from front to back in focus. So now you're going to be picking a, an aperture which is much higher. You might be shooting up at you know, f8, f11. So more of your picture's in focus, so you're controlling it. And again, the camera's going to pick the shutter speed and it's going to pick the ISO to try and get a correct exposure based on the light that's available um, in front of the camera. So those two modes work very different and produce different results but can be used creatively to basically manipulate how the final image looks. So they're the two common modes I get people to, to start playing with so they get an understanding of the relationship of the shutter speed, relationship of the aperture, and how those two things can affect the, the image. The ISO kind of affects the image in a different way. ISO is comes from the days of film where film was, you know, you could buy film that was rated ISO 100 or 400 and the higher the number was, the more sensitive it was to light. So it was a faster film. So if you were shooting on a very dull day, you might shoot on a, like a 400 film back in the days of film shooting or, or higher because it gave you the opportunity to let more light in for all the, all the, all the this, 
the film was more sensitive to light, so it didn't need as much light to make a good image. So when digital technology came along, they kept the same principles and you know principles of photography haven't changed. The methods of taking pictures have changed, but the principles haven't really changed since photography was invented. So and in the very very early days, the ISOs were so low on these. Um, on plates and different types of negatives that we're using that they sometimes needed minutes of exposure to actually get an exposure because they were so insensitive to light they needed a lot of light to fall on it to actually create an image so you'd see some of these images which are remarkable where the, where they're taken of a group of people where the people would have just had to sit there really really still and not move while the photographer exposed the, the film so those two things like I said are interesting to learn and, and get your head around and sometimes you can do a kind of a hybrid version of shooting on where the camera is choosing the say on time value mode where it's choosing the aperture and it's choosing the ISO the ISO will introduce something else into the image it can introduce grain or noise into the picture particularly when as the ISO creeps up people will notice that a lot of modern cameras have these incredibly wide ISO ranges but if you're shooting at the kind of top end of the range and those the pictures aren't as sharp look grainy kind of have an older film type look and that's because of the the nature of you pushing the um the sensor to a level where it's letting a lot of noise into the into the file as well so sometimes what you might want to be able to do is where yes you've got a, sh- a shutter speed you want to adhere to because you've got people running around a track but then you have a constraint where you don't want the picture to be too noisy so you might go in and also set manually set off auto the ISO so you might choose say look on this camera I'm happy for it to go to 1600 ISO and you can actually set on modern cameras you can actually set like a a a window of where the camera will when it's in auto mode where it will go to or you can obviously fix it to to a mode. So you might go in and go, okay, look, I'll let the camera decide the ISO, but I'm going to control the fact that I don't want the camera to pick an ISO any higher than 1600. And this can be done through your camera menus. You can go in there and you can actually find how you can actually create this the auto ISO kind of window where the starting figure and the ending figure are, and then you've got control over that. At any point, you can jump in there and just manually control it where the camera just locked in at that one ISO and doesn't doesn't vary. So sometimes, like I said, if you're in a constant lighting situation, say if you're shooting football in a kind of a stadium effect, and you want to shoot the images, you know, to to freeze the the people running around on the field, and the light's fairly stable, that you can then maybe lock off either the the aperture if, the, if that's important to you to try and get you want always want a shallow depth of field in the images or you want to kind of have more of the background in focus so you might you might choose a lower f-stop you might have a lens that goes down to 2.8 so you might want to shoot you know at one five hundred a second at 2.8 and then you let the camera decide on the iso so you're kind of now just letting the camera decide one thing because you've chosen two things that's kind of moving that step closer to full manual control when you go on to manual where basically you can set, you'd lock the ISO, you'd lock the, the aperture, you'd lock the shutter speed, and that's it. And that works really well in a situation where you've got constant light. So if you're shooting indoors in a kind of studio situation or you're shooting, like I said, in a, in a uh, stadium where the lights are constant 
or any area where like outside where the light's not changing, like it's not going from sunny to overcast and you're not shooting in shady areas and moving into bright sunny areas, you can lock your all your settings off and know you're going to get a correctly exposed picture. So it's about knowing when to use the manual mode and trying to, I suppose, gradually work yourself up to that point. So when you get to that point, you understand then if you have to make an adjustment on the fly because the light's changed, cloud cover's come over. You need to obviously compensate for the lack of light by changing your settings. And again, that just comes, like I said, learning about the exposure triangle, playing with um, your camera, using different combinations of shutter speed versus aperture versus ISO to see the results and then that helps people really understand. So even when you shoot in full manual mode, some people will will have one of the parameters like the ISO flexible where the camera is deciding the, the ISO based on the amount of ambient light. So you've you've said shutter speed's not negotiable, aperture's not negotiable, but I'm negotiable on on the ISO and that's great when you're shooting like an event and you might be moving between stalls and you're moving between out into the opening and you're shooting and you've got different lighting scenarios so the camera can actually deal with it by using that so you're controlling two parts of the image and you're letting the ISO because for a lot of people these days for the modern cameras it's amazing how far you can let the ISO go up on the older digital cameras when they first came out people really panicked and they really tried to keep their ISO down as low as they can they tend to try to keep it down around 100 to 200 range because they felt that anything above that there was too much noise in the image modern sensors now um, are just incredible like the amount of um, how high you can push the ISO and still get a an acceptable image so like I said it's kind of I suppose opened a lot of possibilities for people shooting these days where back in the day you you know to shoot some images you needed really fast lenses so you need like a you know, an f1.2 and so to let enough light in because you didn't want to let the ISO go up. Now you could shoot with, say, an f4 lens and compensate the stops that you've lost by using the ISO to make up the difference, if that makes sense. So it's kind of always... It's always going to be with with cameras and light and apertures and shutter speeds and ISO. It's always going to be a trade-off of, of stops of light. You've got to get that light to the sensor somehow so you're going to be like I said either controlling of one of those three means and sometimes like I said you're going to control all of those to get a particular a particular look so say for instance if you wanted to shoot something that was deliberately dark and moody you can create that by taking full control over the camera where you're setting the shutter speed you're setting the op aperture you're setting the the ISO so the camera is going to be underexposing the image because sometimes, like I said, you can create an image where it looks great if it's if there's a lot of dark shadows in there. There might be some pocket, really good pockets of light, which will be lit really well, but other areas can be dark and moody. So again, this is how photographers control or create with their cameras by using those different controls within the camera. And like I said, when you get into that manual mode, and it's like I said, it, I don't think it's something that people should panic and try and get to there as quickly as possible i think get comfortable with your camera get out there shooting start playing with the you know definitely try and get off 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 the full auto if you buy your camera and you just keep it on the full auto 
you are going to, like I said, you are going to get shots that you're going to be, oh, that's a really good shot. But you're going to get a lot of shots that you, it's not going to give you the results that you're hoping for because either the camera's picked a, a too slow a shutter speed or it's, it's picked a, a too shallow depth of field that too much of the background is blurred out and you don't have the detail that you wanted. Or the camera's pushed the ISO up so high that the picture's so noisy that if you wanted to print it, it's not going to be made for a pleasant print. Again, that's why it's good, I suppose, to strive to try and get off the full auto. Get onto one of the, the semi-manual settings, like I said, the time value or shutter value or aperture value modes. Um, and di different, why I'm kind of throwing in shutter value and time value, different camera manufacturers call them different things. So you just, you know, when you look at your branded camera and you'll look at those things, some you might have an S on your dial, some might have a T on their dial, and they're both kind of related to shutter speed. And that's why it's always good to read your manual. Your manual will always explain to you um, on the piece of equipment that you're using what terminology they're using and um, so you understand the controls. So, yeah, so there's sometimes, like I said, there's, when there's other times when you want to take full control of your, of your camera. Well, things like if you're shooting things like um, long exposure, like, say, astrophotography, there's a couple of things you want to do to get the best possible results is uh, you want to be trying to let as much light in as quickly as you can to the sensor because when you've got the tr camera on a tripod and you're pointing it to the night sky, the Earth in relation to the stars that you're looking at, we're actually moving. Um, the Earth's rotating. So we, the longer we have the shutter open, the, you're going to have movement in the, in the pictures and, and that can create for a you know, really cool effect. People do star trails where they deliberately have the shutter open for a very, very long time so you get these amazing um, star trails across the sky because the camera's basically travelling at the same speed as what the Earth's travelling and um, is, the movement is, is in the background. But you might want to create... You're trying to shoot something like the Milky Way. You, you don't really want that. You want to try and get it as sharp as possible. And manual mode's going to be your best friend here because... You know, you better put the camera on and typically you want to try and get use the fastest, widest lens you've got. You know, if you've got access to, say, a 14mm 2.8 lens, like a prime or, or something similar, that's perfect because you want... The, the sky is a big place, so you want a nice wide lens, but you also then also want something that will let a lot of light in. And so you might set up so you're going to shoot that for that exposure for 30 seconds at 2.8 at um, you know, ISO 3200 and be able to, to bring out the detail in the sky and also try and keep it um, looking kind of sharp as you possibly can. So where if you put the camera on to, say, auto and point it at the sky, you're probably just going to get not much, really, because the camera's going to struggle um, to try and work out what to do. It's either going to have the shutter open for such a long time to let the light in, you're not going to end up with the result that you were kind of trying to get. Similarly, like if you're shooting things like city night, like light trails at night, so if you put the camera on the tripod and you simply put it in auto mode and you press the shutter, it's just going to take a picture. The card's probably just going to be this blurry mess and you're not going to really kind of create it or interesting picture. But if you put the camera on the tripod and you dial up, say, 30 second exposure, you, you pick. You might be picking something like a 5.6 and you might be setting your ISO to 
something that you've played around with maybe again you might be setting it for 1600 um, or some figure that you're comfortable with with your camera to get the results that you're after and then take the picture the camera is going to do exactly use those exact settings and then you're going to get a, a result if you like i said put the camera on fully manual mode you're not sure what result you're going to get so again and i think it's the biggest challenge for photographers is always trying to understand the exposure triangle and it's a part that I think a lot of photographers when they finally get it like people are just kind of like there's the light bulb moment you just see it they kind of go oh I, I get it now I get the connection between these and how they're all they're all interconnected and trading off one for another always moving where you're getting your light from so whether you're getting your light from having the shutter open a long time whether you're getting your light to the sensor by having the the, um, the aperture of the lens at the you know the widest aperture it can go to, or whether you're turning the sensitivity of the sensor up to the maximum, the ISO, so you're letting the sensor be as sensitive as you can to let more light in. It's got to come from one of those three objects. It's got to come from one of those three principles, really. That's where it's coming from. And again, just understanding those and how they all work with each other then we'll get you to a point that you can comfortably put your camera in manual mode and dial up settings and start getting results and start getting repeatable results because that's the one thing about shooting in manual mode. It allows you to get repeatable images over and over again because once it's a bit like, look, it's a bit like baking a cake. Once you've got the formula or the cake recipe right, you know, you can make that chocolate cake over and over and over again. If you get the recipe wrong, each time it comes out, comes out different, it comes out flat, doesn't rise, doesn't taste great, doesn't have a good texture to it. Photography, once you get the uh, exposure triangle nutted out in your head, you can really then start accelerating your photography. So on this episode, we've been talking about camera settings, getting off of, getting, moving away from auto, moving into the semi semi-auto modes and ultimately then moving into like where full auto where you're controlling all of it and even i mean i will use different modes for different applications and it's kind of like then knowing which is going to be give you the best results like i said so sometimes when i'm shooting events i'll be shooting where i'm particularly trying to freeze or trying to get sharp images and quite often i'll have the camera deciding based on maybe what lens I've got, whether it's going to be using um, time value mode or whether it's going to be using aperture mode, but then I might still manipulate the ISO as well and have control of that. It will just really depend on the situation. And as you start playing and, and exploring these things, you'll actually start to understand a bit more about it. You'll get a better understanding. So it's one thing I think worth spending as much time as you possibly can on just understanding exposure and the relationship between the three things and um, how it's going to affect your photography. Anyway, it's been Steve Finkel for Photo Mission Focus. Hope you're enjoying your photography. Keep out there and doing it. The more you shoot, the better you're going to get. Have fun. See you next time. Bye. That's all for this episode this week. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment and don't forget to follow us on your favourite podcast app and social media sites. Remember, photography is a pursuit where there's always something new to learn. Safe and happy shooting, everyone.